Um, so we're going to have uh, two readings now, and uh, Fiona is going to do the first one, which is Mark 5, um, 1 to 20. Jesus restores a demon-possessed man. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man, and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. This reading is from Luke chapter 5, verses 17 to 26. One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal those who were ill. Some, man, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up onto the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? 
Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been laying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Elaine, who organises the sermons and services, was in a bit of a panic this morning because I didn't turn up until gone quarter past ten. That was because I finished writing the sermon at ten past ten. Um, so, there we are. It's what the McDonald's call just in time, and it seems to work for them. So, As all of you who have been following the Essential Jesus Plan will know, and in particular those who have looked at the summary on the calendar in the entrance will know that two weeks ago Andrew preached on miracles and this week's title is more miracles nothing if not original there are a lot of miracles in the New Testament but as Andrew said only one of them appears in all four Gospels which is the feeding of the 5,000 we'll look we've looked we'll look at a couple of different miracles today both of which are quite dramatic and let's start, but let's start with miracles today. Do miracles happen today? Has anyone experienced a miracle? I know for a fact that there are a number of people here who've experienced healing, and that has been a miraculous event. I've personally seen this happen. When I was at university, one of the leaders of the Christian Union had what is sometimes known as a lazy eye, you know, the one that the, line, the eyes don't line up. Um, when he looks at you. He'd always had this condition. It was very noticeable until he went to a prayer event. At that event, he was prayed over and the eyes straightened. When he came back, his eyes were lined up. And all the rest of the time I knew him, they remained the same. I've also been in a situation when someone has wanted what I can only describe as miracle on demand. The individual had a particular painful back, I seem to remember, and asked me and someone else to pray for them. We did. <clears throat> and I certainly felt a real sense of power, of healing power. We finished. He straightened up. No, he said, it still hurts. I've never been convinced that miracles are an on-demand service, but they can happen. And they can happen in the most unexpected times. As some of you know, Anne-Marie, or Annie, as she's sometimes known, comes from a Catholic tradition. And I do find it fascinating, the emphasis that the Catholic Church put on miracles. If you're looking to become a saint, then you need to perform two verified miracles. And you need to be dead. 
So you can't really enjoy it. That's the only problem. The miracles are checked by the Vatican Miracle Commission. And if they are verified, you are one step closer to becoming a saint. Most of the time, this seems to involve a person praying to a dead person and only one person. You can't spread your chances by praying to a group and hoping one of them comes up trumps. And medical healing takes place, which is medically inexplicable. For Pope John Paul II, his two are in 2010, he posthumously healed a French nun suffering from Parkinson's and a Costa Rican woman's brain injury. Well, let's look at that first reading where Jesus drives out the spirit into a herd of pigs. I may be wrong, but this seems to be the only time I can think of when a miracle has stepped over the line from amazing a crowd to quite honestly scaring them. People were amazed at the feeding of the 5,000, water into wine, so on, but 2,000 pigs throwing themselves off a cliff, well, that seemed a bit scary as well as amazing, to such an extent that the people begged Jesus to leave. Now, in modern times, there are some preachers who seem to whip up their congregation into removing an evil spirit from an individual. And if you know the story, you've seen the film Orange is Not the Only Fruit, you will know that this can be quite destructive, almost an obsession in some cases. I've never experienced that, but I have experienced a poltergeist, which certainly had an evil and destructive side. When I first went to probation, uh, I'd been there a couple of years, and I got a phone call. And somebody said to me, we need your help. And I said, why? And they said, we've got a poltergeist. And uh, I, I quite honestly thought that they were kind of just winding me up, but there we are. Um, so, uh, so I went down, and they told me that plates and knives and forks had been thrown all over the room. And so I went to see the senior manager, and the senior manager said to me, well, I'm not going down there. I said, well, what do you want me to do? He said, just make them feel better. So, uh, so I phoned Andrew. And I said, you know, poltergeists. Um, what do you know about poltergeists? So I, he said, I've done nine poltergeists. He said, and eight of them worked. I said, well, those, those are good enough odds for me. So, uh, so one night, we went down to this old Victorian police station in the centre of Liverpool. Why do these things always have to be at night? Anyway... Um, and there was four of us in the room that most of the hauntings had taken place. It was me, Andrew, uh, two members of staff. And Andrew got out his travel communion set, which is about this big. And um, so he starts communion. Okay? And uh, it's very quiet. And down the corridor. <laughs> The door sprang open, the cleaner said, any progress yet? <laughs> that was six months of my life gone. Um, but we did go round the building and we put uh, wine crosses on the, the doors, um, and particularly of the old cells in this, uh, in, this, in this building. And I certainly felt a very cold draft coming out of one of them as we did so. And apparently, the apparition disappeared. So that's nine out of ten um, on, um, 
and Andrew's strike rate. There's something else which struck me about the reading. A word which isn't, or should I say wasn't used much in modern times. An old word, which appears in this reading and has recently resurfaced on the internet. I wonder how many of you have heard of the group Anonymous on the internet. Should we call them a vigilante group? who electronically attack websites, organizations they disagree with. That includes people who call themselves Islamic State, but some government websites, Fox News, even MasterCard. So I'll show you two short clips, if the technology works, in case you've never seen them before. So clip number one. Greetings, citizens of the world. We are anonymous. All right, he goes on for hours. Um, and clip number two. We are anonymous. We are legion. We do not forgive. We do not forget. Expect us. We are legion. Let's look at Mark 5, verse 9. The word is legion. And in Mark 5, verse 9, the, <laughs> the spirits describe them as legion. The fact that this group has decided to term themselves that, rather than any others, is curious. And I wonder whether it has a link to this reading and to this miracle. Anonymous claim that they're fighting for those who aren't in power. But legion, in this miracle, certainly wasn't doing that. It was an evil spirit, many evil spirits. Anonymous say that they do not forgive and they do not forget. Which leads us smoothly <clears throat> to the second reading, which almost begins to think as though I've planned this sermon. In the second miracle, Jesus does forgive, and this miracle is often misremembered. Sometimes we run the two parts of the story together and think that the man gets up and walks because his sins have been forgiven. That can cause all sorts of confusion because then you can start believing that a person is ill or paralyzed because of their sins. And that's absolutely not what happens here. Jesus sees the faith not only of the man but also of his friends. They've climbed onto the roof probably a flat mud roof, made a hole in the roof and lowered down the friend. Jesus sees this faith and forgives the man. But the man doesn't have to get up because his, friend, his sins are forgiven. Jesus realizes that some of those in the crowd are outraged that he's claimed to forgive sins. And of course, some do not believe that Jesus can forgive, can forgive sins at all. Because in their minds, Jesus is just a man. He's not the Son of God, God incarnate, as we sometimes sing at Christmas. So it is at that point that Jesus says, well, forgiving sins is so much more, for example, than asking him to get up and walk. So I'll demonstrate that I can forgive sins by showing I can also ask him to get up and walk. And so he does. 
And notice the calm power. This is not done in the hysteria of some American evangelists who, with a large crowd, are chanting for the person to stand or to walk. Jesus just says, get up and walk. And at that person, that, that point, that physical demonstration of Jesus' power on earth, they give praise and are in awe. There is, of course, no mention of those who question Jesus to start with. But this miracle was another piece of evidence for the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. We must forgive and sometimes forget. Both of these are hard. If we believe we've been wronged in some way, then to forgive and forget is one of the hardest things that we can be asked to do. But it's also one of the most powerful and liberating things we can do as a Christian. Anonymous, do not forgive and do not forget, which in some ways is the easy option. With the undertones of expect us, then there's the threat of taking revenge for the wrong that has been done. But that's not what the Bible says. And a curious quirk of having Mark 5, Luke 5, we're not going to have Matthew 5 from the message translation. Matthew 5, 38 to 42. Here's another old saying that deserves a second look. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Is that going to get us anywhere? Here's what I propose. Don't hit back at all. If someone strikes you, stand there and take it. If someone drags you into court and sues you for the shirt off your back, gift-wrapped your best coat and make a present of it. And if someone takes an unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more tit-for-tat stuff. Live generously. Amen. Amen.